With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to the Caixin Syndicate Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Syndicate Podcast. It has been a full week of who has been naughty and who's been nice in China's world of business. We have stories of China's naughty businessmen accused of multi-billion dollar frauds, and TikTok has published its naughty list of deleted videos. But on the nice side, things are looking up for some Chinese tech firms who have seen their values soar over the last week, and the People's Bank of China is being very nice to finance companies, giving them more time to comply with new rules. With all the top news delivered in the nicest possible way and only a hint of naughty glint in my voice, here is what has been happening in China this week. TikTok revealed it had deleted nearly 50 million videos from its platform in the second half of last year as the internationally popular Chinese-owned short video app faces increasing scrutiny from overseas authorities. The ByteDance Limited unit's latest transparency report comes after the app was banned in India last month and U.S. President Donald Trump said he was considering a similar measure. The two countries are the platform's largest markets. According to the report, the over 49 million deleted videos fell into a total of nine categories, including violent and graphic content, hate speech, and, and adult nudity and sexual activities. The deleted videos accounted for less than 1% of the total number of clips posted to the platform during the period. China's central bank has announced it may delay new asset management rules for covering the $12.9 trillion industry. The People's Bank of China is discussing extending a grace period for financial institutions to comply with sweeping new asset management rules that were issued in 2018 and set to take effect in December 2020, officials said Friday at a press conference. Considering the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, some experts suggested extending the transition period for another year or longer. Whether the delay lasts one, two, or three years, the key is for financial institutions to transform their businesses, Zhou Xuedong, director of the General Executive Office of the People's Bank of China, said. Zhou added, going back to rampant off-balance sheet business, speculating with funds, and creating financial chaos would be unacceptable. China said samples of imported shrimp have tested positive for the coronavirus, raising questions again 
over whether the pathogen can spread through food or frozen products, Bloomberg reported. The inside and outside of shrimp packaging tested positive for the virus, China's General Administration of Customs said. The samples were from three Ecuadorian plants, and imports from those processors will be halted, it said. The test result doesn't mean the virus is contagious, but reflects the loopholes in companies' food safety regulations, said Bi Kuxin, director of the Food Import and Export Safety Bureau in the Customs Department. Current evidence suggests that it's extremely unlikely the virus can be transmitted through food, according to Gorjan Nikolic, associate director of seafood at Rabobank. The former chairman of Kangmei Pharmaceutical Company Limited was taken into police custody after he was suspected of being responsible for the drugmaker's financial fraud. Ma is suspected of illegal disclosure of information and failure to disclose important information, Kangmei said Thursday night in a statement. Kangmei, one of the country's biggest listed drug makers, was accused of financial reporting fraud involving 88.6 billion yuan, approximately $12.6 billion, of overstatements between 2016 and 2018. It was fined 600,000 yuan in May by top securities regulators for inflating revenues and fabricating bank deposits. Regulators found that the company used fake bank deposit slips to inflate cash reserves, forged documents for non-existent business activities, and transferred company funds to related parties to trade in its own stock. A Chinese tech company, Quantum C-Tech, saw its value soar more than tenfold Thursday on its trading debut amid a stock market buying frenzy that has led to surges in trading volumes and margin debt while overwhelming trading platforms. Quantum C-Tech is among a number of new listings benefiting from China's recent market boom. Last week, medical equipment manufacturer Tinavi Medical Technologies Company rose 614% in first-day trading, followed by a 438% jump for Geovis Technology Company, a mapping service provider, on its debut also last week. Chinese ride-hailing giant Didi Chuxing is partnering with the central bank to explore the application of a digital currency in its smart transport platform. Didi joined a list of companies and banks to test the digital yuan being developed by the People's Bank of China in real-life scenarios. The new electronic medium of exchange is known as digital currency electronic payment. In April, the central bank confirmed that some state-owned banks are conducting internal trials of the digital currency in four cities and hypothetical use for the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. Chinese gaming giant Tencent has hit a new milestone with its hugely popular battle royale title, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, better known to anyone under 40 as PUBG Mobile, doubling, doubling its lifetime revenue to more than $3 billion in just over seven months. The landmark sales figure also includes the revenue derived from Game for Peace, the Chinese version of PUBG Mobile, according to a report by research firm Sensor Tower. In 2020 alone, PUBG Mobile and Game for Peace have earned revenue of $1.3 billion, with March seeing record monthly revenue of $270 million when the COVID-19 pandemic led to lockdowns globally, the report said. 
Let's turn now to Doug Young, Managing Editor of Tyson Global, for his story of the week. Hey, Doug, what you got for us? Hi, Kaiser. Um, this story that I'm picking out this week is is a fun story. Uh, it's got got a lot of drama involved to it, and so I thought it'd be fun for fun for our listeners to have have a listen at this. Um, it all revolves around this story called Dang Dang, which is one of China's oldest e-commerce companies. It's not exactly a big name these days because it's it's sort of been taken over or overtaken by Alibaba. And JD, and more recently Pingdodo, but the story behind this one isn't really about e-commerce at all. But it's it's about a really messy divorce uh, that's been going on between the company's co-founders, uh, a guy named Li Guoqing, and then his wife or former wife. We're not really sure if they've gotten divorced, but her name is uh, Peggy Yu. Um, so yeah, uh, the, this is like I say, it's it's quite an old company, uh, and I guess the couple had founded Dang Dang together. Uh, they had been together as a couple for more than twenty years, and things started, I guess, coming unglued like last year. You know, it's hard, it's sad to see this kind of thing happen, but you know, it, it does. Uh, they'd been through a lot, but then it just started turning into like this really nasty edition of Divorce Court. Uh, that's that's the TV show, the U.S. TV show. Um, they were sniping at each other all over the internet. And then there's been this ongoing battle for control of the company. Uh, at one point, uh, Peggy, the wife, was saying she owned 70 percent uh, through some sort of agreement. And he was denying that. And, and again, they were doing this all very publicly on social media. Uh, and things sort of culminated back in April when uh, the husband, uh, Li Guoqing, got together a, a little posse of uh, Dang Dang people because he was, he was sort of officially kicked out of the company. And she was running the shots and bought his little posse and, and basically took the company chops or the, the company seals uh, with them and and left and for our, our listeners who don't know these these chops or the seals they're, they're the stamp that is sort of the the official thing it's the equivalent of a company signature and so whoever has this you know can sign off on any company documents and it's also required to do anything like uh, transferring ownership or anything like that uh, so he walked out with these and and of course now the company you know Peggy you the wife can't do anything. Uh, and then things came to another head just this past past week or so. Uh, apparently, the guy again showed up with his little posse. This time, apparently, a, a, a group of men all dressed in black. It sounded very dramatic. Uh, and they, they burst into the company offices like quite early in the morning, around 7, 8 in the morning, and uh, raided a bunch of locked cabinets and took more documents and – Later that day, the the police actually took him in for questioning, and uh, our Caixin reporter apparently went to the uh, the the local police office and and saw that Peggy Yu and her her group were there as well. And this this is all still being decided, but it's it's been very colorful and it's all over the place in uh, Chinese social media. Okay, so it has plenty of lowbrow entertainment value if you go in for this sort of thing. But as you said. Dong Dong is no longer a major e-commerce player. It's been passed, you know, by not just Alibaba and JD, also now recently by Pinduoduo. 
So what is it about this story that, that makes it newsworthy? Yeah, that's exactly right. And and this is similar to my, my last uh, podcast or last uh, Seneca briefing. It has a, a certain sentimental value for me. But, it, you know, it also just shows what happens to these companies. Uh, they, they go on existing. Uh, like like I said at the outset, Dong Dong really was being talked up as like the Amazon of China. Um you know, they were much earlier than Alibaba or their, their history goes back to the 90s, I believe. Uh, and, and they were doing e-commerce much earlier than Alibaba, obviously much earlier than JD. Um, and they even had a, you know, a book selling model. So they looked a lot like Amazon and, and they seemed to be going places. They did an IPO in the U.S. in, in 2010, I think it was. Uh, but then, you know, they just they just got left behind. They ended up delisting in 2016, you know, and it really, I guess, goes to show how quickly things change on China's internet. And, you know, you're only as good as what you did tomorrow, uh, you know, with, if you're yesterday's news, which is what these guys were, uh, you know, you end up becoming this kind of a, a you know, a social media soap opera when you're, you're, you're former washed-up founders end up uh, sniping at each other over divorce. Um, I'm sure we see this. I'm, I'm sure we see it in the, the West, too. You know, you see things like MySpace that were big in the day and whatever happened to. And, and this is an interesting story, but it's, it has a bit of a second life as well with this whole divorce drama. Thanks, Doug. And, and how do you see all of this playing out for Dong Dong? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, that's, I guess, another good point to raise here is that, you know, this is is sort of throwing a spotlight on this whole business of these really quirky Chinese uh, characteristics, most notably the chop here, you know, because it's like the person who holds the chop essentially, uh, you know, holds power over the company. And, and it seems like it's quite a messy business either getting the chop canceled or going to court to get it back or anything like that. It's it's really unlike anything I've seen in the West. Uh, so to answer your question, you know, it, 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 I assume the husband and wife each will probably end up with about 50% of the company. Um, who actually runs the company, you know, they'll probably have to reach some sort of an agreement. And at the end of the day, people might be saying, who cares? <laughs> because it could be a, a – I mean, it's already pretty much of a bit player. But, you know, by the time all this plays out, maybe maybe they'll sell the company, which they actually tried to do before anyhow. And, and that, that fell through. Uh, so maybe they'll be able to find another buyer. Well, I look forward to reading the pitch for your screenplay because, you know, this could be the next HBO hit after Succession. Okay. Thanks, Kaiser. I'll see you next time, man. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin and Marcus Ryder of Caixin Global. Thanks to Wu Fei and Spring and Autumn for the music. Be sure to check out the other shows in the Seneca Network on SupChina. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SupChina Access for our daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.